You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. <laughs> Some of you purists know, just so that you're not confused, grapes do not grow on trees. Uh, they grow on vines. We're going to talk about vines today. This is my makeshift gr- uh, vine. This is my... Uh, my, my creation, I, I grew this from the earth myself, been working on this for over three years. And um, no, I'm just kidding, but just go with me on this, all right? So um, we are wrapping up a series called I Am Today, uh, based on the I Am sayings of Christ. And what we're finding is that knowing the I Am changes who I am, changes who you are. It changes how we look at life, how we look at our goals, how we look at our future, how we look at our relationships. And Jesus emphasized um, as God, his identity as God as clearly as possible in the clearest of terms throughout the entire New Testament. And some of these I am definitive statements declare Jesus as the creator, the sustainer, the forgiver, the savior, the master of all. He said that in the face of death, I am the resurrection and the life. And he said that in an unsatisfying world that leaves you wanting more, he says, I am the satisfier of the bread of life. When he says, when you feel like your world is dark and, and you're not really sure what to do, he says, I am the light of the world. And he says, when you're feeling tired and when you're feeling exhausted and when you're feeling afraid, he says, come to me. I am the gate through which you will find hope and life and a future He says, when you are in need of direction and you feel lost and you're not really sure what to do with your life, he says, come, I am the great and good shepherd and I will guide you. And last week he says, in an uncertain world, when life doesn't seem to to make sense and when you're not really sure what the truth is, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Today, the last one. And uh, I'm excited about today because in the 25 years that I've been preaching, I've never done a message on this topic today. I've actually used this verse and referenced this verse, but I've never preached on it in 25 years. So I'm excited because I get to share with you what I found and what matters most. Because Christ is saying, if you want to live a life that matters, Jesus says, well, I am the true vine. So let's kind of take a look at that in John 15, 1, just hours before his betrayal and just hours before he was arrested and just hours before he was crucified, the night before he was gathering with his disciples. He had broken bread with them. He had had his last supper. He washed their feet and he prayed for them. And as he was wrapping up his time with them, he began to say something. And this is where it picks up in John 15, verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Jesus is the true vine. What we're going to find is that we are the branches and that the Father is the gardener. God is the great caretaker of it all. Now, I want you to know that in Palestine, in the time where they lived in Israel, um, vineyards were common. Now, they, didn't, they couldn't just turn on the faucet and have water, city water. The water was hard to come by. It, it wasn't always very pure. So what was a normal cultural aspect of their life was the vineyard. And they, they crushed uh, the, the grapes from the vine. And that's, that was a large part of the culture in which they lived and where and how they drank. And um, so when Jesus was talking about a vine, he knew exactly, uh, they knew exactly what he was talking about. He was talking about a grapevine. 
He was talking about a vineyard. He was talking about grapes when he talks about fruit in this passage here. And this was exactly what they were imagining. And grapes were exactly the fruit that they were thinking of. And I want you to know this is that when we talk about Jesus being the vine, this is the first thing you need to realize is that this is about belonging. This is about being connected. This is about belonging. Now, the vine in the Jewish tradition, I want you to hear me out a little bit because I'm going to go back in time a little bit. In Jewish tradition, the vine was a picture of Israel. All through the Old Testament, Israel is called a vine. And so the Jewish people at the time of Christ thought that if you wanted to be long to God and if you wanted to be connected to God, they had it in their mind that you had to be Jewish, that you had to live in Israel and that you had to connect with them as a people. And if you were born Jewish, then you were in that you were automatically part of the vine of God. Now, they thought that Israel was the vine. And here comes Jesus, and he says, I am the true vine. Now, immediately they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're saying that my nationality isn't the vine? You're trying to say that my connection to my religion, to my past, is not the vine? Jesus said, you're not to be rooted in a nation. You're not to be rooted... Uh, in in some sort of tradition or a system or a movement or uh, some sort of religion. He says, I am the vine. I am the one. I am the ID in your life. I am the identification of who you are. If you want to know who you are, if you want to know where you belong, I am the true vine. I'm the one you need to be connected to. Jesus says, I am the source of life, the true community, the sustainer of the branches. As the vine goes, so do the branches. Apart from me, he says, you can do nothing that counts. Now, I've got this tree here. Uh, this let's, let's call it a vine because that's what it's going to be today. This grapevine here. Uh, and, and Jesus says, anything that is connected to this vine to the to the main vine that's growing up it's tied onto the staff here so that it stays up he says then then anything that shoots off from that is a result of the vine it's not as a result of you and and nothing can grow apart from it nothing can 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 give fruit apart from it he says if you truly want to have a life that makes sense and is one of satisfaction and one that takes you someplace and does something significant he says you need to plug into me i am the true vine the only true vine we find out in john 14:6 he says and just as there are true vines he made sure that he said true because i want you to know something there are untrue vines There are things that we can try and attempt to connect to that will never satisfy who we are. Things that we can try to nourish off of, things that we allow to shape our life, things that feed us, things that try to fill us. A career might be something that you try to connect to that hopefully that vine of a career will give you some sense of fruit in your life or a bank account, some sort of education or sports or a goal that oftentimes we get plugged into so many things that we think will give us life and fill us that we don't realize how empty we truly are. And Jesus says, no, I am the true vine. Don't plug into the untrue vines. There's not necessarily anything wrong with some of those things, but those aren't the life-giving issues of your life. Some even think that the church is the vine. And Jesus says, no, I am the true vine. 
came across this video this, this past week, and I thought it so perfectly fit with this idea of the things that we try to fill our life with, the things in this life that we try to connect with that somehow we think fill us, but they only leave us wanting more. So check this out. I woke up this morning with a normal feeling for me. It felt like sadness, but more like hunger than anything else. The closest word for it is empty. Whatever the feeling was, I wanted it to go away. Within an hour of waking up, this feeling's usually gone. Coffee can do it catching up on sports, and by the time I check my email, I'm good. At least I'm full for the present. The feeling, whatever it was, is gone. But quite easily, I slip back into the emptiness, if not the next hour, the next day. Technology gives me the quickest, most instantly gratifying fill. That's why I like social media. All I really need is one like on Instagram, and I'm golden. Facebook can do it too, as long as it's about me. And I look on Twitter to get my sarcasm filled for the day. It doesn't really take much, but it doesn't really last long either. If social media doesn't do it, music always fills me up, especially when I'm driving. I got my tunes, the open road, and I can listen to whatever I want. I rock the same songs over and over again. I was empty. Now I'm filled. I have millions of ways to fill up. I didn't even mention TV, movies, or beach vacations, alcohol, cars, home improvements, accolades at work. Whatever I want, I can have it. With the touch of a button or the drop of a hat, the world is at my fingertips. I can fill myself with whatever I want, cash pending. All I have to do is convince myself that it's good to eat and desirable for food. Then it's just a matter of plucking my choice fruit from the tree. No wonder I don't need God to be filled. I'm already full. The number one fastest growing religious group in the entire world is what's known as the non-believers. They're not the atheists or the agnostic necessarily. They're just the people that are just not interested. And I think that's because a lot of people, they, they just fill their life with so much stuff, just like he said. There's just not any room for God. But the problem with filling ourselves with all of these things and these pursuits is that no matter if we attain them or we're always chasing them, they will never truly satisfy our life because they aren't the life-giving vine, which Jesus says, I am the true Vine. All those other things, 
They're untrue vines. They're untrue pursuits. They're not necessarily wrong, but those are the things that you try to satisfy and to fill your life with. He says, you just won't be happy. Jesus is the source of life, of dependence, of strength, of support, of vitality. Ultimately, he says, you will produce and reflect what you are connected to. He says, if you want to make a difference, if you truly want to have a sense of purpose in life, I am the true vine. This is about belonging to Jesus and connecting to him. John 15, 1, he goes on to say in verse 1 and 2 and 3, he says, I am the true vine, the Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Uh, He says to his disciples sitting there, he says, you're already clean. He says, you've already been pruned already some. He says, because of the words that I have spoken to you. Here's the second thing I want you to know about this whole vine is that this is about bearing This is about bearing fruit. This is about having evidence of a walk and a relationship of connected to Jesus. You see, Jesus mentions two kinds of branches in this passage right here. He mentions the bearing and the barren. He's talking about those that are genuine followers and those who are the so-called professed followers that aren't truly connected. Let's talk about each one of those branches. There's the barren branch, and that is the fruitless branch. They uh, they profess to be part of the vine. They profess to be part of of the connection of God. They 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 confess to be one of His, but yet they produce no fruit whatsoever, or because they produce bad fruit. And because of this, Jesus says they're not truly mine. John 15, 2, he says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. He says, you're already clean because the word I have spoken to you now. What does that even mean? How do we know that he's talking about salvation? Well, in John 13, just earlier that night, about an hour ago, he was talking with all disciples and there was one more disciple there. That he wasn't talking about then. In John chapter 13, that disciple, his name was Judas. Many of you guys might know that Judas is the one that left the 12 and turned Jesus into the authorities and led them to a place where Jesus was praying, kissed Jesus on the cheek to identify that he was Jesus because they didn't have any picture IDs. And they, they grabbed him, arrested him, and that became the process that led to the cross that very day. Now, Judas was having dinner with them. He had washed Judas's feet. He had had and broken the last meal and had Passover with him. And, and when it came down to near the end of the meal, he basically said, one of you is going to betray me. And, and in John 13, he says, those of you who are here are clean except for one. And then the Bible says in John 13 that he was referring to Judas who is yet to betray him. Well, in between John 13 and John 15, he actually dismissed Judas to go do what he was to be about. And that's why in this passage, he can look to his disciples and he says, you guys are clean. You guys have been picked at and pruned at because you belong to me. But Judas, he was never mine. In fact, we we find later on that Jesus says that Judas was never one of his. He was never even a believer. 
So Jesus is saying, you who are here are part of the vine, but there are some that, that walk around with you guys, that talk with you guys, that show up at church. There are those that profess to be a follower, but they're not really a follower. There are those that, that go to church with you and go to outreach events and, and they will go on trips and they will volunteer in different parts of the church and they will say, man, I'm a Christian. He says, but they're not truly mine. They're not mine. They'll be just like Judas. He says, There are those among you that profess to be mine, but they're not mine. They are dead branches. They are people who are not truly mine and in the vine. And he says, and those people, well, they're not going to last long. They're going to be cut off. He says, the vine is Christ. The vine dressers, the father, the fruit bearing branches. Those are you 12, uh, you 11 and any believer that follows truly follows true disciples. And then he says, there are fruitless branches, Judas and those who only by words or by actions pretend to be part of the tree of the vine. They attend church. They follow the group. They have the facade of faith. They only appear to be connected. They're the great pretenders in the church. They're Judas branches. They're false branches. Jesus often spoke of those that were with them that were never truly his. A lot of his parables had to deal with people who are among you that aren't really mine. And I can only assume that in a group like this, that some of you aren't really truly his. Some of you in this room, I would love to believe that everyone in this room is a part of the vine, but it's just probably not the case. Some of you in this room are a dead branch or a fruitless branch. You play the game. You're a Judas branch. You have the facade of faith. You are a great pretender, but you're not truly, and you never were truly in the vine. See, there's the barren branch, and he says, and then there's the bearing branch, and that is the one that bears fruit. Jesus says that the people that bear fruit, they're truly mine. They're truly those that are in the vine. This is how you know that you belong to him, you bear fruit, period. I want you to write this down. It's probably hard to acknowledge or believe, but listen, there is no such thing as a fruitless Christian. There's no such thing as a Christian that doesn't bear fruit. Galatians 5 says that the fruit or the evidence of the spirit is It says this in Galatians 5, but the fruit of the spirit, though the evidence or what grows out of the life of those that truly have God in them is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He says against such, there is no law. That means if you live by the spirit, you won't have to worry about the rules because the spirit is guiding you. And that's the evidence that God is working in you. Now, some of you guys, I wish I could be that way. And I think I'm a Christian. Now, I want you to hear me out. Is that for every Christian, you are to bear fruit. And for some of you, you might have to look really hard. But there's fruit. For some of you, even a small, tiny grape on the vine, it may be just the beginning. But if you look, if you're a Christian, you will find fruit. Guys, listen. Galatians 5 says that there is flesh fruit 
and there is fresh fruit. This flesh fruit in Galatians 5 talks about what it, it looks like to not know Jesus. And it lists these things that we don't need to go into. It's Galatians 5. Go home and read it. And it's all these things that basically define what a lost person looks like. And he says that is flesh fruit. That's the fruit or the evidence that grows off a branch that is not mine. And he says, but then there is the fresh fruit the fruit of the spirit. And these are the things that grow out of the life of someone who is in the vine. Jesus says earlier, and what Paul says is the fruit of the spirit. And some of you aren't a part of the, the vine because, well, number one, you don't, you, you're going through the motions and you haven't truly met this Jesus who is the giver and sustainer of your life. You're still filling your life with other things, a hobby, a skill, a pursuit, a dream, a goal. And those things aren't necessarily bad, but if those are the things you're trying to fill your life with, then Jesus is just a check on a list. He's a gold star on your week. He's just a a part of your week and he's not truly a part of your life. And as a result, the fruit of your life is lacking terribly. And I'm not talking about you, you, you don't do good things. I'm talking about the fruit of the spirit. And we're gonna find the greatest fruit of all is that first one mentioned. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. But see, sometimes, have you ever, I've got these grapes here on this, this vine. And uh, I tell you, there's nothing like fresh grapes right off of a vine tree. There's no trees. Right off of a vine. Mm. Have you ever had bitter fruit? Have you ever had like sour, like, like ugh, fruit? Have you ever had food that just is ugh, horrible in your mouth? That's how some of you are to your culture, to your life. Sometimes people are hanging around and you're like, you're bitter, you're angry, and your fruit is unsatisfactory, according to Jesus. Ephesians 2.10 says that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. James 2.17 says that our faith without works or fruit is dead. Matthew 7.16-17, Jesus says that you can know a genuine believer by the fruit and that you should test the fruit of those that call them mine. Uh, talking about himself. John 15, 16, he says, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. You see, we're designed, we're crafted. If you are part of the vine and you don't bear fruit, something's broken in you. Something's not working in you. Maybe you're not truly a part of the vine. Like a real vineyard, here's the deal though, but like a real vineyard, it may take years for the fruit to really show up. If you've ever, if you're familiar with how vineyards work, you could, you could start a vineyard and it can take up to three to four years before you can have edible grapes. That's right. So these, these vast fields of vines are worked on and taken care of and tended. We're going to talk about in a minute how that's done. And they have these little buds, these little tiny, tiny little buds and stuff that will grow on them. But it's just the beginning of fruit. Some of you, you're in the beginning stages of your fruit. There's fruit, but it's, it's, it's little. And it's just going to take time. On a fruit tree, the flowers sometimes are all that buds before the fruit comes. There's not much there, but you smell good because a believer bears fruit. The disciples knew what a vine dresser does, what a gardener does. He, he plants, he waters, he cuts, and he prunes. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about cutting. And that passage there says that Jesus... He takes the branches that are unfruitful and he cuts them off. I've got this branch here that is, uh, 
that is not just dead, but it is, uh, it has no leaves on it. And the Bible says in order for a vine, uh, well, in just regular, you know, uh, in the regular growth of a vine, in order to sustain its life, uh, you got to break off and remove these broken branches. And he says, this is what's going to happen to some of you who, uh, who claim to be a part of me, but you have no fruit. He says, you will be cut off. This is what he says. This is what the barren branch has to look forward to. This is what the branch that is not truly his looks forward to. First John 2, it says this. It says, uh, some who appear to be in Christ are not truly connected. First John 2, 19 says, they went out from us. They were not really of us. For if they were, uh, for if they had been of us, they would have remained in us. But they went out so that it would be known that they were never truly a part of us. We have a stern warning from Scripture to check to see if we are truly part of the vine. In fact, Paul says to the Corinth church in 2 Corinthians thirteen five, he says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you realize that Christ... Jesus is in you unless, of course, he is not and you fail the test. He says, you know what? There will be a day when you, we, we will all stand, you will stand before Jesus Christ and there will be a great cutting away. A lot of Jesus' parables ended with a cutting away, with a separating of those who were his and those that were not and those that were his entered into everlasting life and those that were not entered into everlasting destruction. And Jesus leans on that when he says this, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear fruit. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire to be burned. Now that's a reference to the end when we stand before God, there's going to be a time when every one of you will have a chance to, to plead your case before God. And the only answer that matters is Jesus is he the Lord and master of your life. And God's going to look at you and he's going to see Christ in you. Or he's going to see a dead branch. He's going to see a fruitless life. And there's going to be a cutting away. Let's talk about that pruning for a second, because this is the part that some of you who are his don't like. The pruning is that part that Jesus says, if you're fruitful, in order to keep you even more fruitful, he says, I'm going to cut some stuff out of your life. Some of you guys, you, you love Jesus, and there's a little bit of fruit on your vine. But God says, man, I want to see more fruit. I want to see you healthier. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start cutting some things out of your life that you just don't need. I'm going to cut some things out of your life that, that are distracting and that just kind of get in the way of, of the fruit that you have. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to clean out the area so that that fruit can grow healthy so that you can have more fruit. You see, God prunes us if we are his, and that's called discipline in the, in the Bible. But some of you, there's a pruning going on, and, and you feel like, man, everything in your life that can be shaken is getting shaken. And, and Jesus is saying, yes, that's because all that I want is, it, is for me to be left. And some of you, God is cutting away and he's clearing away the brush and he's getting rid of bad habits and he's getting rid of bad attitudes and he's getting rid of old relationships and he's getting rid of of things in your life that are distracting you and that could stop and hinder the growth of this fruit. And he says, I am pruning and cutting away at your life because I want to see you healthy. But we don't like the pruning, do we? (laughs) We don't like God to start cutting away at our life. 
But you see, you're connected to the vine and the vine dresser, the father, our God in heaven, he knows what's best for you. And he's pruning and he's cutting and he's working in your life. It's a constant process. It's Jesus cutting away at our life. The vine dresser's tool is the word of God. What he uses to cut away at our life is his word and affliction. The two of those together. Let me, let me tell you, in adversity, the word comes alive. So oftentimes God will allow affliction in your life so that the word will be alive. Because some of you read your Bible and it's like, eh, whatever. But all of a sudden you get in trouble and you're like, God, I need to hear you. You know, you're like reading his word and then all of a sudden it's, that makes sense now because I'm going through it, God. Thank you. So God will allow affliction in your life to invade your life with his word. See, he told his disciples, he says, there's already been some pruning in your life because of the words that I've spoke with you. It's his words that prune us. Some of you guys, you haven't been pruned very much because you never read his word. You never get into his word. You, the only time some of you ever hear it is when you look at it with me on a screen. The challenge is not to be fruitful, but to be connected to the vine. And this is the key to this whole thing because the result is fruit. We're not to pursue the fruit, we're to pursue Jesus. Here's the third thing this is about, is that this is about abiding. This is about abiding. What this means is that Jesus says, there's a word in this passage in, in nine verses, Jesus says 10 times the same word. He says, ameno, which is the word abide or remain. Another way to look at it is the word to reside or maintain or to stay connected. That's what he says in John 15, four. He says, he says, remain in me. As I also remain in you. Every time he says remain, it's ameno. So remain in me, ameno in me, and I will ameno in you. No a branch can bear fruit by itself. It must ameno in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you ameno in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you ameno in me and I in you, I will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, abiding is our act of will to stay connected and to grow with Jesus. You see, we have been called to walk and to follow Jesus and to abide, remain, pursue, stay connected to Jesus. He says, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. If you remain in me and I remain in you, then there will be fruit of your life as a result of you abiding and pursuing and connecting to me. See, we don't need to be connected or pursuing fruit. We need to be connecting and pursuing Jesus. He says, if you abide in me, how do we abide in Christ? How do we do that? Here's some things that you can write down. How to abide in Christ is remain in his word. Listening to God, hearing God, being a part of an experience where you get to hear God spoken about. You put his word, you put his, his worship, you put his life-giving words in you and you remain in him. Another way is you remain in prayer. Some of you guys, you, you don't even know what it means to pray for your food. Not that that's like some breakthrough prayer because it's not that, you know, we pray over our food, not because we're trying to transform something healthy into something unhealthy into something healthy. Lord, thank you for this pizza. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would help it to nourish our body. Whatever. <laughs> God, take the 1% that might be nourishable in that pizza 
I like a good pizza though, but we pray not to have it transformed. We pray because we're thankful and we're acknowledging his provision. And some of you, that's just a struggle in itself, but prayer is much more than a meal. Prayer is much more than a request list at the morning time. Prayer is much more than you falling on your face when you're in trouble. It's a relationship with God. If you have a relationship with a friend or a wife or a husband and you never talk or communicate or share or have intimate moments as friends or family together, then you will never be able to abide and have a relationship that lasts. And Jesus says, you want to be in me and I and you, then you need to get in your word and you need to get on your knees. You need to learn how to talk to me, how to listen to me how to communicate with me. And then he says, remain in community. Opportunities to serve and to be pruned. You see, you can be as selfish as you, as you want to be all by yourself. You can. <laughs> in fact, when you're by yourself, you get to watch whatever movie you want to watch. You get to watch whatever TV show. You get to listen to whatever radio station you want to listen to. You get to eat whatever you want to. You get to go wherever you want to. You get to get up whenever you want. You are the boss of your life by yourself. Right. And if you have somebody else who respects your selfishness, you can have two couples. I'm sorry, two people, one couple. You can have a couple just be real selfish together. You know what I'm saying? But Jesus says, man, you want opportunities to let me cut at you. Then you need to get with people. Have you ever been with somebody and you just feel like, ouch. Right. Hanging out with that person, it kind of hurts. Because it makes me not selfish because they don't want to do what I want to do. They don't want to go where I want to go. They don't want to eat where I want to eat. You mean, I got to do sometimes what they're saying. We're learning how to be givers, how to be people who understand, who listen. I mean, we can talk all we want in our mind and ourself and think all we want. But when we get with somebody else, if you never listen, then you can't have a good relationship. God says, you want to learn how to abide in me, then you need to abide in my word, abide in prayer, and you need to abide in community. You need to get in a regular place where you're with other Christians, other believers, and let them cut at you. Let my life cut at you. Let their character-building moments cut at you to shape you. He says, this is about abiding, being in the vine. This is about being close to me. Jesus says this in John 15, 7. He goes on. He says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, this is a favorite of a lot of prosperity teachers. It does not mean that you can ask whatever you want. Jesus will say, yes, sir, yes, sir, whatever you want. It's not that at all. Basically says, if you put me at the center of your life, there is a character shift in you. And what we find is that as we start to pray in tune with Jesus's will, then we begin to see our prayers answered. So he says, if you abide in me and you allow me to prune away at your life and you start looking more like me, then you're going to see more of your prayers answered. Now, the branches are the community of Christ. And it's like this bunch of grapes. You can't be, uh, you can be kind of delicious like this. But boy, could you make a difference like this? You know what I mean? This is good. This is delicious. Say, there's nothing more crazier than a bunch of Christians. Jesus wants you to be in the bunch, okay? Not to be crazy necessarily. Some of you are, but that's okay. Verse 8, he says, this is my Father's joy that you bear much fruit. Not just a little bit of fruit, but you bear a lot of fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. In fact, in another place, Jesus said, they'll know your mind by your love for each other. 
He didn't say, say you'll, they'll know your mind because how bold and how obnoxious you are on a street corner. He didn't say they'll know that you are mine by your picket signs. He says they'll know you are mine by your love for each other. He says that's some powerful fruit. This is the last thing. He says this is about obeying. It's about obeying. This being connected to know the vine and to be connected to him is about obeying and following Jesus. This is what he says in verse 90 going on. He says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain, that's ameno in me, ameno in my love, remain in my love. Abide and stay connected to my never-ending faithful love for you. Don't forget it. Don't lose it. Don't lose sight of it. Abide in my love for you. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide. You will remain. You will ameno in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and ameno in his love. He says, if you follow my words, if you will hear my voice, if you will let me prune your life, my will will reflect your life. Uh, My will will be reflected in your life and you will know who I am and people will know who you are in me. Guys, some of you, you, uh, you're a believer. You love Jesus, but you, you don't even know if God's even alive in your life. You wonder if he's even there. Jesus says, you want to know if I'm there? He says, abide in me, follow me, and you'll know I'm there. He says, if you will abide in me, if you will abide in my command, if you will follow me, then you will know I am in your life. Some of you, that's why you can't find out where God is. You're struggling where God is in your life because you're not abiding in him. You're not following in his way. You're not following in his will. Confirmation of his abiding is not found in experiences, but in obediences. John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. Imagine if I had said, if you want to be my friend, do everything I say. What would, you, would you want to be my friend? Would you want to be my friend? No, I wouldn't want to be your friend. Some of you guys are like that already, and I'm not your friend. My wife would not want to be married to me if I said, honey, do everything I say. Some of you guys are trying to operate in your marriage like that. It's not working. But if I said, do everything I say and I will be faithful to you, then that is a manipulative, controlling relationship. But it seems like Jesus is saying that. He says, if you will obey me, then you'll know that I am with you. See, here's what we try to do. We try to make obedience the issue. When Jesus says, no, the issue is connect to me and out of love, you will obey. And then I will know that you love me because you obey. It's not obedience is the first step. It's love, a relationship being connected to Jesus. That's the first step. The evidence or the fruit of that is obeying. See, we're trying to switch it around and we think if I just obey, if I just go to church all the time, if I'm, if I'm a perfect person, if I don't swear, if I don't chew and don't go out with girls to do, if I... It's kind of funny, isn't it? And, and if I just, if I just, maybe if I just give the right amount and, and if I just show up and if I and listen to the right things and I'm going to somehow, if I obey, then I will know he's with me. No, it's the other way around. If we are to connect with him. And if we are truly connected, the fruit that comes out of our life is obedience. 
we don't start with obedience. We start with Jesus. You see, when I got married, I stopped dating other girls, not because my wife told me to, because I wanted to. You know why? Because I didn't want a black guy. No, I'm just kidding. No. Because I love my wife, right? There are certain things that we do when we get married, not because we are motivated to keep the marriage, but because we are motivated by the love of that person in marriage. You know, I stopped spending my money any way I wanted to because we're a team now. It's not because we're married. I can't just go out and buy whatever I want to buy. No, it's we're married now and I love her. We're a team. There's a lot of things I left behind in my life because of my life motivated by love. And the proof that I love her is not the obedience, but that's the evidence of the love. You know what I'm saying? And Jesus is saying, if you love me, there'll be fruit. You obey me. That's the fruit of it. We don't start with obedience. We start with Jesus. And this is what he says. This is beautiful. He says in John 15, 11, he says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. See, walking in the ways of Jesus and experiencing his life is the only way you'll ever have true joy in this life. We experience the fullness of his love and his joy for us when we walk in him and stay connected to him as the vine. There are disobedient believers who are always frustrated, who are rarely happy. It's because you are walking out of disobedience while the father is trying to prune your life. And you're like, no. Well, eventually, if that branch dies, maybe it's evidence that you were never truly his. So what is the great command the vine asks us, the branches, to obey? And this is what I want to end on is this thought right here. The very next thing that Jesus says, this is my command. He's talking about being a vine. He says, this is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. He says, this is the holy charge. This is the grapes on the vine. This, you, you know what should be plucking off of your life? Love. This is the true fruit of those that are mine. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the spirit. The very first one was love because I believe that's where it starts. The father says, you want to be fruitful? You want to be connected? Well, is there love in your life? I mean, like true love. And not just any kind of love, not the kind of love you have for pizza, not the kind of love you have for your favorite movie or a magazine. Jesus gives a specific kind of love. What kind of love is that? Well, he tells us. The very next verse, he says, greater love is no man than this to lay down one's life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. You see, love that he's talking about is the kind that lays down your life for another. It's the kind that's sacrificial. It's the kind that doesn't seek his own. The kind of love that says, Jesus, it's uncomfortable. I understand, but you've called me to love and I do love this person. So Father, I will do what is uncomfortable because I want to love like you love. It's in a world that is selfish and completely revolves around themselves. Jesus says, no, love that I'm asking of you is the love that hurts a little bit. Is the love that lays down its life 
like I'm about to in a few hours from now. He says, that's the kind of love that I'm talking about. And then he says this, the next verse, he says, uh, he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus says, the kind of love that I'm talking about is the kind that treats servants like friends. It's the kind of love that looks to those that are unlovely. The kind of love that looks to those that are hard to love. The kind of love that looks to those that are weirdos like me and treats them with respect and treats them like a friend who legitimately cares for them. Jesus says, you know what kind of love I'm asking of you? The kind of love that doesn't make any sense. when It it doesn't pick and choose who you're going to love, but it's one that loves even those that aren't respected and looked down upon. This is what love looks like amazingly. Eye contact, a smile, a hug, a pat on the back, listening. That's what it looks like to be a friend. And when you do that, it's amazing how much that looks just like love. He says, the kind of love I'm asking of you is the kind of love that treats a servant like a friend. And then he goes on one more. He says, you don't realize this, but you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, I will give to you. This is my command, love one another. He says this, you did not choose me, I chose you. The kind of love that Jesus is asking is the kind of love that goes first. It's the kind of love that doesn't wait for others to to love first. It doesn't wait for them to reach out. It doesn't wait for them to respond. You see, the kind of love that Jesus says is the go first kind of love. It's the kind of love that says whether that person knows I'm alive or whether that person is a jerk or not, I am going to love them. I'm going first. First movers. That's what God is calling for us. The very ones to step out. He doesn't want us to wait for the reach out. He wants us to be the reach out. He says, the kind of love I'm asking of you is the kind of love that takes the first move. It reaches out to the unlikely and the unworthy, just like Jesus did. In Romans 5, 8, it says, God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. It's not waiting, but moving, taking the initiative. After this, the rest of this passage in John 15, basically Jesus says, if you abide in me, and you're part of my vine, well, the world will hate you. They will hate you because they hated me. He says, and that is part of the battle of living connected to the vine. He says, your fruit will change the world, but it will come with a price where not everybody will like you. Realize that you're not the grapes. See, a lot of times we look at this and we're like, we think we're the grape." We're not the grape, we're the branch. The grapes are the fruit of our life. The difference that we make in other people's lives, the kind of love that we show to our neighbors, to our friends, to our coworkers. We're just a branch. We want to be the highlight. We want to be the fruit. We want to be the center of attention. Just as grapes are crushed, this is deep. I want to end with this thought right here. Just as grapes of the vine are pulled off and crushed. Jesus says, my disciples, you're going to be crushed too. People are going to trample upon you. But what's going to come out of your life is going to be juicy, delicious. And he says, in a few hours, I'm going to be crushed. 
You're going to be crushed on a cross. You're going to be tortured and hung up on the world to see, for the world to see. And I will be crushed for your sins. He says, but will come out of me if you will drink of my fruit, if you will drink of my life, will be life-giving flavor to every area of your life. Romans 11 tells this story about how a tree can be grafted into another tree. You ever heard of this before? If you're a gardener, you probably know all about this. Basically, they can take a branch that's somewhat alive. Maybe it's a dormant branch, right? Doesn't have any branches on it. Maybe it has a bud or two. But actually, see, I took all the leaves on This branch is still alive for a while. Eventually, it will die. So what they'll do is they would take a knife. I'm going to use my pruner. We're sorry. Due to technical difficulties, the end of this message is not available. Thank you for listening to the Living with Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.